if Sistema were as simple as, okay, relax, hmm. you know, use differential tension, um, these are, you know, movement, posture, relaxation, and breathing, okay, yeah. you know, you could give it to me on an index card. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema, and this is Sistema for Life. Cool. So, so we were talking a little bit about um, how you're building a, a new office in your back garden um, for the purpose mostly of kind of escaping from the house and changing your habit patterns a little bit. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Or? Yeah. When it, so the office that I'm in now is in my house. It's the, it's the, the second bedroom mm. in uh, you know, the one, two, three, and it's number two. It's right in the middle. It's next to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And it's also the place where I go whenever I'm a little bit bored or agitated or upset or mm. feeling you know, stressed or guilty. Cause, and the easiest thing for me to do is to like answer a bunch of emails, do, mm. a, do an expense report, something mm. not, not valueless, but certainly not uh, deep work. Hmm. And, you know, deep work requires like a fair amount of time, hmm. um, the ability to concentrate and focus for long periods of time. A vanishing skill as far as I can see in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just so when I walk in here, like I have all these associations and cues in the office right now, you know, it, it, as you look around, it's not as neat as it has been. There's a lot of hmm. stuff on the floor. I went traveling for a couple of weeks and I haven't quite recovered from that. Hmm. And so that when I walk into this space, the, the thing my brain wants to do is sort of this, this video game style, you know, like space invaders, like shooting little things one at a time, right. as opposed to the important work, which is to, you know, to write a new book or mm. to, cre to create uh, a new structure for the curriculum. Mm. And so the, the plan is to move into this, this new office and actually keep a laptop here for the busy work mm. and go into that office for deep work. Okay, so that's your deep work bunker kind of thing. That's yeah. That's, that's, yeah, okay, nice, okay. So was this inspired by anything particular, this idea that you need to change your environment in order to shift some of your habit patterns? We've talked a little bit about habits before in a previous mm -hmm. podcast, but it seems like you've been re-inspired lately to, yeah. to think about how your environment might be queuing you off in certain ways. Was it was one specific thing that got you into that, talking to somebody or reading something? Or? Well, there was um, you know, certainly the fact that my family does not like me to have an office here mm. because when I'm doing things like podcasting, yeah. you know, my, they, they aren't able to you know, vacuum or take showers or have, yeah. have you know, very healthy screaming fights with each other. Yeah. <laughs> right? So uh, they're, you know, they're all relieved that I'm going to be moving out. Mm. Um, you know, this is the bedroom wing and, you know, having you here and having other people here for, for business things is, is yeah. uncomfortable for, for sure. them. They, you know, yeah. cl close, close the bedroom door. I don't want to see, you know. Yeah, see it makes it I'm feel gonna... less like a home that they can just wander around in and do stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, but that was for, you know, for their benefit. For, yeah. from, from, for my benefit, I've been thinking a lot about the importance of, of environment just on cueing Hmm. This whole set and what we were talking about in that in the, the lost, you know, the Watergate tapes that we that we lost where you were talking also about when you're at home. Yeah. You have all these associations that are not work associations that kind of crowd out the the desire to do work. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the thing for me. And it's a similar thing if I'm like working or trying to podcast in a bedroom in the house. I don't have like a designated office. So I'll just shut myself away in there and do it. And um, Heather's trying to be quiet with the kids outside. But there's there's noises, there's cues, you know, the, the dryer alarm will go off like beep, beep, beep when the dryer and I'll feel like, well, maybe I should get out and fold the laundry. That would be helpful, you know, rather than do this kind of stuff. So it's, it's hard for me to <laughs> shut myself off and be like, no, I'm work Glenn right now. And everything house related is Heather's right now. And if the kids are squawking or something, I should just let them squawk. Heather's going to get around to it. I, I, I'm kind of trying to jump out of my seat and go and help or do something. And then when I come outside, I'm kind of irritable. I'm just like, do you want me to see to her? Do you want me to get the baby? And Heather's like, no, I've got it. She's fine. She's eaten three times already. She's just asking for more food. And then she gets irritated at me like I'm, you know, like I'm berating her for not being quiet enough, even though she's been quiet. So the whole, the whole setup just doesn't really work. And I've kind of learned this. And about once every two weeks, I'll delude myself that it's a good idea and I'll just try and stay and work from home and it just never works. So I've just got into the habit of getting out and working from coffee shops as much as possible so I don't have an office outside of the house. Um, and I've realized that those associations of being available at home mean that even if other people are being really considerate and they're trying to you know leave me to myself and make it like a little business environment and me in the house it just doesn't work it doesn't fit right the environment's not conducive to deep work and getting things done and so again just as you mentioned i didn't really kind of 
uh, make that connection right away. What I tend to do instead is a whole bunch of small things that I feel like I don't have to concentrate on that much. So answering and filing and emails and tagging them and things like that, or little kind of finance stuff or admin stuff relating to the system of business, stuff like that. But it's but nothing substantial gets done until I leave and go to a coffee shop, which might seem weird because it's noisy and there's mm-hmm. things around and sometimes the internet connection is crappy. But I get more done in those locations because there's there's no other people, there's no other demands on my time or attention when I'm there. Right. That kind of well, I would argue that you get more done because the internet is crappy. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and sometimes I actually go to places where the internet on purpose, right? And I'll go there or just switch off the Wi-Fi thing on my computer so that I'm forced to do a bunch of stuff before I check. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So, um, so this kind of seems to tie in a lot with some things that we've talked about in previous podcasts on on habit specifically and, and a little bit on willpower and volition like and how often we delude ourselves into thinking that we can just kind of override our habits by just trying really hard right um and sometimes we set ourselves up for failure in doing those things and systemic can be a re- really nice window on showing us how our bad habits just do not work in our favor especially in a in a in a physical capacity right things that we've learned and um, that we keep relying on even though they don't work again and again and again we keep trying to do the same things um, and we get keep getting the same result and we still don't change and, and in a lot of ways systemas a way of putting us in different situations and environments so that we can see how we react in those and then sort of seeing whether or not we have predispositions that spring up from those things. Have, have you seen ways that that relates to to this idea of kind of habit change for lifestyle and stuff like that? Yeah, and the, mm. so the thing that I've been thinking about in relation to that is, mm. so our bodies are also an environment, mm. right? And what Systema really has helped me with is to kind of clean out the environment of the body or to, mm. to be, be able to make conscious decisions. So here, here's an example. Yeah. Um, one day, I can't remember, I think the door was locked at the place and Ilan and I came for a private mm. and we couldn't get in. So mm. you decided, well, let's do cars. Okay. And so we did a, a whole one hour like um, car fight, car right. fight and yeah. you know, putting the seat back and escaping from the from mm. the seatbelt thing. Mm. And one of the things you suggested was when you get into the vehicle, mm. exhale. Yeah. Right. Mm. And I discovered, like a few weeks later, that I had been doing that mm. unconsciously, and I've been doing it ever since. This was probably two 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 and a half years ago. Okay. That this yeah. event was like every time I get into a car. Yeah. I, as I as I duck my head. I, you relax into it. And yeah, I, re- yeah. I relax into it. And yeah. that really, it has a cascading effect on the entire drive. Because hmm. I've just, you know, because because the relaxation of the exhale is so noticeable. Yeah. That it, it's kind of like a wake up. It's like, a, uh, it brings me to consciousness. Like, yeah. okay, I'm sitting in a car. This is a place where my posture gets worse than anywhere else. Hmm. This is where I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be slumping over, turtling. Mm. Mm. Whenever anyone pulls out, I'm going to, you know, go to a jump. go to a flinch response. Yeah. So now that I'm now that I'm in the vehicle and I notice this, now mm. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to, you mm. know, um, tilt my tail a certain way. Mm. I'm going to relax. Um, and and it, it has changed the quality of the time I spend behind the wheel, which is a fair amount of my life. I see. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's a big, especially for such a small intervention. You know, that's that's, that's a big proportion of things that it's adjusted afterwards, right? That's that's kind of rare. It, it usually seems like you have to do a lot of things to, to switch something that way. Yeah. Well, mm. this is related to this idea of wise interventions. These these very small targeted changes that then create an iter- a feedback loop. Can you give with the environment. Well, so for, um, this is the work of um, Gregory Walton, who is mm. a student of uh, Carol Dweck, okay. the, the mindset lady. Sure. Yeah. So he thought, like, if you, if, you, if you change someone's mindset in a very small way, mm. and that change then creates a, a positive feedback loop in the environment, yeah. you can get a huge cascading effect. So mm. for, for example, he looked at African-American students at a prestigious university mm. who... Were st- would struggle, and, and their grade point averages would typically be much lower than white students. Mm. Um, and, and it wasn't, you know, their SAT source was the same, their, their intelligence was the same, but it was, there was something going on. Yeah. And he posited that the, 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 the feedback loop was they, they looked around and they felt they didn't belong. Yeah. And so when they struggled, as everyone struggles when they go to university, mm. they internalized the message as, well, I don't, this is proof I don't belong here. Okay. So he took um, the study was maybe a hundred, a couple hundred uh, freshmen mm. um, who went through a one-hour 
um, orientation mm. for African American students, telling them just that yeah. that they belong there, that mm. everyone goes through periods where they feel like they're not up to the task, where mm. they're overwhelmed, where they feel alienated, mm. and that's natural. Yeah. And that was basically the intervention. Mm. And then they had a, a, a matched group mm. who didn't get that, who just got an hour of regular orientation. Okay. Four years later, there was a significant difference in GPA. Okay, it balanced itself out, and the African American students and white students were on parity at that point. Or yes, was, yeah. essentially. Okay, the yeah. ones who had gone through this intervention. Yeah, the one hour. Wow, so the, it's just one hour at a specific time, right before they, before they're going to encounter this feeling, basically. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. and so the idea was that this, because it was iterative, now every time they received a, fee, a, a feedback from the environment, they were translating it mm. and understanding it a little bit differently. So mm. it cascaded into this virtuous cycle of, well, I can take, I can handle this. Okay. Yeah. And I belong here. Just as much as anyone else, because look, my white friends, my white white, white roommates, hmm. are going through the same thing. Yeah. So it was simply a slightly different lens. Hmm. So when you gave me the suggestion to inhale, to exhale, as hmm. I stepped into the car, we practiced it a few times. Hmm. The feedback loop that I got was instantaneously positive. Hmm. And without without trying, without making a post-it note on my dashboard, sure. without doing anything, yeah. I started doing it just because it felt better. Hmm. And and so you know now years later that that one class hmm. is still having a huge impact hmm. on how I interact with probably the most stressful part of my life, which is getting behind a wheel of a right. you know two ton pieces steel and, yeah. and uh, you know avoiding all the other people who are right. who are yeah. similarly. Uh, Engaged. Yeah, I've, and I've definitely recently felt the benefits of that kind of car fight training in, in having written off my car. I crashed a vehicle um, a couple of weeks ago and uh, like avoiding an animal late night on the road and lost control of the vehicle and plowed into a barrier, just completely caved the front of my car in and the driver's side door was all caved in. And, and I found myself a few seconds later, I think, I don't think I blacked out at any point, a few seconds later outside the vehicle on the passenger side. So I literally, I, I hit and I was apparently pretty relaxed because all I got was a big bruise on my left arm where I kind of like took a bunch of the impact. The airbags went off too, so that clearly helped. Um, but I must have just gone like bam and then realized I couldn't get out the driver's side door and then immediately just shuffled across and out the passenger door and I'm just staring at the car like, wow, was I in that? You know, so it literally is in a matter of seconds, I was outside of the car and just looking at it, which is good because it was leaking fluids and stuff and it might have, you know, might have... Uh, caught on fire. It's not like in the movies where cars tend to explode as soon as they tap something, but you never really know what's going to happen with a car like that way, right? So, um, so I'm standing outside it, looking at it, and this lady pulls up. Um, so she's heard the bang. She lives on a neighboring farm right on the lake, and she's witnessed some other people go straight through that barrier and into the lake and even drown and stuff like that. So it's pretty terrifying. And she came screaming up with her car and saw this wreckage, and she, she came running up, and she was just like, oh, God, who's in there? Like, as, if, <laughs> as if somebody else was in the car, I was like, and I was there on site to help out. I'm like, that that was me. I just, uh, she's like, are you okay? And she's looking at this concertinaed like, wreck of a car and like, you were in that? And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. And I was already out of it and I was quite calm and I felt okay. And I like, definitely put, I mean, not that that's like a habit, like when I get into car crashes, I always escape and breathe happy. Like, I don't know. This is the first major car crash I've ever been in. I've, I've been in one as a passenger before um, in Japan when somebody else was driving. And that gave me a little bit of whiplash in the neck. And I think we've spoken about that one before. It's almost like I saw the whole thing in slow motion and wanted to help him not crash. This time, it was kind of similar. I, I swerved. I realized I lost control of the car. But right up until the last second, I was trying to regain control of the car. But I felt like I was doing that in a conscious way. I was like, all right, nope, not working, not working, not working. And then, bam, it hit. And I was like, now I can't get out of the car. And I got out of the car. So it was a sequence of very, very conscious in the moment experiences that I had. I didn't just freeze mm -hmm. and feel terrible. I put that down to systemic training. I think if I hadn't tra ingrained the idea of relax on impact and you know stay human, try and keep thinking, try and keep making decisions until you can't, right? Um, I think if I hadn't had that kind of um, switch in the way that I think about emergencies a little bit, I think that would have been very different and I at least would have had a lot of whiplash or some more kind of neck, back injuries, stuff like that as a result of this. So, so I definitely look at that as something that's helped me in a very practical way immediately. Um, but in terms of kind of everyday life and shifting habits around, I'm conscious of the fact that I can, I've learned so much through Systema about how to avoid some bad habits, right? Um, like uh, 
kind of flinching into yourself when somebody attacks or kind of raising your shoulders up towards your ears to kind of meet somebody where they are and and in doing so robbing yourself of the power and the structure that you would have if you just kept your back straight and kept your shoulders down um so for the most part i've i've tried to kind of get rid of those but there's still some moments where they'll, they'll rear their ugly head and they pop up again and despite all of the 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 retraining and the rewiring that's gone on i still get into bad habits and things like that happen in my daily life too so for the most part i try to avoid foods that are terrible for me and i try and do you know certain situations but then if i get like into a real hole i'll i'll crack right and i'll go off and i'll eat some, some terrible hot dog or something and then i'll feel awful afterwards like physically like oh that just didn't feel good for me i don't want to do that again and then i'll do that like every six months you know, it won't be like a pattern and then I start eating terrible food for weeks and weeks. I'll just do it once, realize that it was terrible and that I tried to kick that a while back and then come back to it. So where where does this fit in, do you think? Why is it that we some habits seem to change with a very small intervention um, and some just seem to, in spite of multiple attempts at intervention, people still manage to relapse? I mean, this is something mm-hmm. that's very close to your heart, right? Yeah. Um, behavior change for people in nutrition. Right. Well, so the habit of relaxing when I get into a car or for mm. you relaxing upon impact, mm. um, the question is, what is it replacing? Okay. Mm. Right. So for me, I didn't have another habit mm. of getting into a car. There was nothing I was, mm. that I was doing yeah. that, that would... Nobody that, told you to inhale and tense up every time you get into a car, right? So it's like, yeah. Mm. Right. So, mm. so that, um, you know, it was, it was a wide open field. Mm. Um, I th- you know, I think so. So if if and the question is, what's what's the cue hmm. that triggers the the initial habit? Okay. So if you're if you're thinking about like, you know, eating crap. Yeah. Um, there's the the cue is probably something you've learned and has been repeated many, many times. Like hmm. when I feel like crap and I eat this food that's very high, you know, very salty or very crunchy or very sweet or very fatty. It gives me it, a temporary. It, it, it's an immediate relief hmm. of that feeling. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you have a really positive, hmm. right, the brain doesn't think in long term. Right. Sure. The brain yeah. is thinking like, oh, oh, good dopamine. Good. Yeah. 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 Solved. Right. Hmm. Right. So, so that, um, I mean, one of the things I love about the systema training that I've done to overcome bad habits in, Hmm. um, you know, impact combat, Hmm. you know, shoulders down, um, is, is that it forces me to become aware of things that I was unaware of. Hmm. So the first, the first step in fixing a bad habit is awareness. Yeah. Right. Before we can go in and install something new, we have to recognize that we're doing the other thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, right. So like, you know, for you, if you're eating a hot dog, Hmm. at what point do you know you're eating a hot dog? Right. Yeah. Is, is it like, does, are you on autopilot for a while and then you're, stand, you're, you're sort of standing there with this, you know, hmm. greasy lump of processed meat in your hand and going, hmm. oh, God, what have I done? Hmm. Or is there a consciousness all the way through and you're thinking, I shouldn't be doing this, I shouldn't be doing this? No, I'll be trying to, trying to look at it now. Now, I'm quite happy about the whole thing when I'm doing it. Right. I'm like, no, I'm making a con. I eat healthy most of the time. Right. This is going through. So there's a justification process where I'm like. I eat healthy most of the time. Right now, I just feel like eating a freaking hot dog. Do you know what I mean? There's a kind of an anger about it. It's just like, I'm going to do it because it's going to make me feel good. And I know that's not good for me, but I'm just going to eat this hot dog today. I'm not going to eat them tomorrow and for weeks afterwards. I'm just going to do it right now because I had a crappy day and I feel like this might make me feel better temporarily. And that's it. And then I eat the hot dog and then it doesn't really make me feel better. Right. So there's the, so I think it's after I've, it's not even while I'm eating it. While I'm eating it, I'm like, this is actually surprisingly pretty good. Like, like this way, it's, it's about an hour afterwards when I just get the the crash of you know you've eaten like kind of it's a sugary bun and you peak and trough immediately on the sugar on that and then the the, the meat just seems to stick there in your stomach and you're like ah, this is just not what I thought it was you know like that way and you realize that it didn't do what you wanted it to do that's when I realize I'm eating a hot dog it makes sense yeah. like after that point I'm eating something wondrous that's going to help me out and just feel better for that point of the day yeah. Mm. Yeah. so what that reminds me of is mm. when when I'm grappling with you mm. in class and you say to me, try something else. Hmm. And you don't say it you know, immediately. You say hmm. like, after I've been doing the same damn thing. And you can't escape. And I can't escape. <laughs> yeah. And then you have this gentle suggestion, like maybe try something else because you've been, you know, you've yeah. been trying this for like 45 seconds. Right, yeah. you, are, you are about to exhaust all hmm. your muscular reserves sure. hmm. doing this thing that is clearly not working. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so like that, that's the point at which hmm. I can 
okay, well, let me go in the other direction mm. or let me relax or let me see if I can, you know, squiggle out of it or let me find a leverage point where you're, you're not so stable. Yeah. Uh, and so, for, you know, for the, as I, you know, the longer I do that, the more mm. times I have that experience, mm. the, the, the sooner I get to break the habit myself. Mm. Okay. Right. So, so just knowing that, okay, that here's here's the end of it. So, for yeah. you to know, the end of this game is mm. I'm going to feel terrible yeah. about having eaten the hot dog, mm. and just to be able to bring awareness and mindfulness of that fact closer and closer. So maybe the Forward first in time a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. So mm. maybe it'll be before you finish it. Okay. And yeah. like, okay, I have one bite left. I'm going to throw this out. Yeah. Okay. And then and then sort of work working Over time it back. You have one bite and you're like, it tastes good. But yeah, I remember how I felt when I ate the whole hot dog last time, right? And then then maybe it runs all the way back to I feel kind of crappy. I feel like I need a boost. Um, but last time I remember buying eating the hot dog and it tasted pretty good. And then an hour later, I just felt worse. So why don't I eat something else which is sweet and it might give me like a temporary boost, but it's not going to make me feel crappy an hour later, right? And you can go for something, right. you know, some healthy switch. And so you're switching the reward a little bit like in, in habit change terms, I guess, right? Yeah. So the cue is still, I want to feel better. I feel crappy because I crashed a car and I'm having to deal with insurance and the police and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, the cue is still there. The, the, the stress inducing thing is still there. Um, the reward is still hovering around, right? The reward is still like, I want to feel better afterwards. But the, the thing that you do, your response then has to change, right? You have to decide whether or not the response is going to be the same as last time or whether you're going to try a new response. Is that, does that fit into the pattern? Or? Yeah, you get, mm. at that point, you get to decide, am I going to keep pushing in the same direction that I know brings me mm. you know, undesirable results? Mm. Or can, am I going to try something else? So, you know, so what I would do if I were you is if, mm. if you have any hot dogs lying around, mm. I would take one out and like draw a little face on it and, mm. and, and have, it, have it talk in Vladimir's voice. <laughs> so, you think I will help you, but I will not. <laughs> there you go. System, system of habit, habit change primer right here. You heard it first here. Dress up your food like Vladimir and have it berate you. <laughs> That's awesome. Right, just to create that, the, the yeah. enough of a negative association that you... Yeah. You're a little. You're you're sort of cued into mm. a new behavior. The same way that me putting my right foot up onto mm. the car, mm. all it cues mm. the the relaxing breath. Okay. The, okay. the same way that you having me do burst breathing following breath holds. Yeah. Mm. Um, cued that when I'm panicking, I yeah. go into burst breathing. Sure. So yeah. it, beca it becomes it becomes a it, it starts consciously mm. and it becomes neurology. Okay. Right, which yeah. is what you taught me about stress and why cognitive approaches to stress are. Yeah, you can't outthink what your body's doing. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah. because the part of you that's thinking. Yeah, you lose it, access to it. You lose access to it. So if, yeah. you, if you don't if you don't make it neurological. Yeah. You you don't get to use it when it, when it counts. When you actually need it. Yeah. So so in the with the example of um, you kind of struggling or pushing, trying to push me away or doing the same thing over and over again and grappling and it not working consistently for a long long time. Right. So in that one. Um, in that instance, so we've done that more than once, right? That's, right? that's not like we did one intervention. I was like, why don't you try something else? And then you tried something else and you had this epiphany and a ray of light came through the window and you're like, oh, try something else. And from then on, every time you get stuck, you try something new, right? That did not come to pass, right? So Sarah, you, were, you did that in that session and then maybe a couple of months later, you're wrestling with somebody and you're doing the same thing and it takes you, maybe, maybe you flip the switch a little bit sooner, like with the analogy for the hot dog and you stop struggling after 20 seconds instead of 45 or something like that, right? right. Um, but we still managed to hang on to that tendency. And again, does that come from that, well, I don't know what to do, but pushing people away seemed to work when I was in elementary school or something. Do you know what I mean? When I got into scraps or struggles or something like that. Um, is it, or is that just kind of a natural innate tendency that's so hard to fight that we have to spend a lot of time or maybe a big block of contiguous time to undo? Because my, my way of getting around that problem um, is to run like a four hour seminar, for example, in which I, tr I get the students to get themselves stuck on purpose. I'm like mm -hmm. wrestle. And one guy's job is to try and escape for as long as possible. And the other guy's job is just to pin him down, pin him down, pin him down and get them stuck, get them to a place where they cannot move and let them try everything they can to escape and then keep them there. And then after a while, they'll get so exhausted, they're forced to try something else. And if you do that mm -hmm. drill enough times, Constantine has done this drill with us you know, some years ago when he came down to Charlotte. Um, 
eventually by, by attrition despite yourself it will get kind of rewired into your brain you're like well i can either go through all of this pain of struggling for a very very long time or i can try and find a new way to escape rather than try and exhaust all of the things that i know i just see if i can forget what it is that i know and just react to the situation as it is right that kind of that way what's what's the equivalent to that that kind of immersion of like contiguous like no 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 how do you hold habit change up to somebody's face when it's about nutrition or it's about exercise or something and be like, look, can you see how stupid this is? And just put them and put it in their face for like hours and hours on end. Is, is there some equivalent to that that you could use? Well, I'm thinking about the, mm. the idea of rock bottom. Okay. Right? Like alcoholics say that they have to hit rock bottom before they can change. Okay. And that, be, that becomes a really slippery excuse for people. Because in their mind, they're like, well, I haven't hit rock bottom. Okay, yeah. And here's the thing. You get to choose what your rock bottom is. Mm. Okay. So, like, if I'm grappling against you and it's been 45 seconds, mm. and I, you know, at some point I'm just going to give up. Yeah. Right? And, um, and maybe giving up is the thing that's going to give me the space okay. to try something else. Like, you know, mm. it's, an, it's, an, it's an hour and a half long class, so you can't... As the instructor, you can't sort of keep me pinned down for 45 minutes sure. just yeah. from a um, class management perspective. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, but if you, if you did, mm. like at some point I would exhaust mm. and then I'd still be stuck yeah. and I would have to try something. Yeah. But I get, you know, I get to choose when, when rock bottom occurs, when, when there's, no, mm. there's no more tunnel mm. to, uh, to keep moving in the wrong direction towards mm. and I have to turn around. Emmanuel Manolakakis will be coming to Durham, North Carolina on the weekend of January the 26th, 27th, 2019 for a two-day exploration of deep systema principles. To register online, visit www.ncsystema.com events. Before September the 1st, podcast listeners can claim an additional 10% off using the discount code HITME at checkout. That's H-I-T-M-E at the online checkout. Hope to see you there. So, so what prevents us from seeing that, seeing the bottom sooner? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, is it just pride? Is it like, no, I'm sure I can do this. Or is it like, I'm tougher than most people or, you know, or I know better. What's, what stops us from seeing that yeah. sooner? I think that probably there's a whole bunch of things. You know, for me, there's certainly pride. Hmm. Um, there's the feeling like, well, I don't want to be a quitter. Hmm. Right? Like, you know, just, you know, if something's not working, just do more of it harder. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes that works. Hmm. Yeah. Right? It works often enough that it reinforces itself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like when I'm, when I'm running a really long race and mm. I, I feel like quitting, the answer is just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Like yeah. Just stop, yeah. just stop thinking and just keep yeah. moving. Mm. Um, that, that doesn't work for more tactical mm. <laughs> challenges yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, I think there's just... That we don't we don't realize when we're stuck. Hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. It just takes us. It, we just don't have the awareness of how stuck we are, or how tense we are, or you know how we've already come, we're already close to bottom. Like how far down we are already, kind of thing. Yeah, and and that just you know that um, I mean all these exercises we do where you know if I'm if I'm standing and I'm trying to push you backwards and mm. I'm tense mm. and I'm going to tense and I'm going to brace myself yeah I feel much stronger mm. in that okay. position even though I'm not even though objectively it's easy to see that I'm not pushing you whereas when I relax yeah. into my hips ground into the ground breathe mm. out mm. and and use much less effort then mm. I get much greater result I think it's very hard mm. for us to trust that that things can be easy Especially in an area like habit change or nutrition or, or exercise where we've been told yeah. that things have to be really hard. There has to be a struggle. Yeah there's a, yeah, there's a couple of aspects to that which are interesting. One is what you just said, which is that if, if anything's worthwhile doing, then it has to be a struggle, right? That is, if, if you're going to you know, punch some, if you're going to knock somebody out with your fist or if you're going to throw them to the ground, it should look like your face is all screwed up and you're, you know, you're moving with, with a lot of power. It should look like in the movies, you know, when stuntmen are hitting each other. And people forget that, you know, people in the movies, it's choreographed and people use as much tension as possible to make it 
obvious what's going on and make it look like it was dangerous and make it look like the guy got hit, right? Everybody's kind of going over the top. Um, and so we kind of mimic these movements that aren't helpful a lot of the time, right? And when we do it, if you watch Rocky, for example, like the Rocky movies or something like that, um, boxers will watch Rocky and it, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, because it's just their, their, their hands are down all the time, their shoulders are really tense and they're, they're flexing their muscles so that you can see the months and months that the personal trainers help the actors to develop the musculature more than anything else. And, and the punches really aren't very fast and they really aren't very um, powerful in terms of the delivery and all that kind of stuff. You can kind of see it, but it looks good on camera because everybody's slugging, having a you know a dramatic time of it and all that kind of stuff, right? And I think sometimes we do the same thing in Sistema. We, we, instead of doing the thing, we prepare to do the thing and we show the guy we're going to do the thing and we show everybody else that I'm doing the thing, right? And then we try and do it. Um, but then often you've robbed yourself of the power that you need and the efficiency that you need and the guy's seen it coming a mile off, right? So, so there's one aspect of like, you don't need to make it a big deal. You don't need to make a big show of something in order for it to be effective. That's one thing. And there's another thing, just the internal sensation of strength, right? That we associate the, the sensation of tense muscles with, well, that's, that's power. So if my muscles are 75% tense, then that's 75% of my power. If my muscle is 100% tense, that's all of my power. Um, and that's a difficult one to rewire because like when you're learning how to punch properly, for example, it's, it's literally a case of like when you're fist hits the target, if you can feel more or less anything in your body, if you can feel tension in your chest, if you can feel it in your back, if you can feel it in your legs, you, you're wasting some, some energy, some power that you could have transferred to the other guy. You're keeping it for yourself instead of allowing it to translate itself into your partner, kind of that way, right? But if you keep your shoulders tense and you hit people, you're like, well, my shoulder's like 80% tense, so probably that's about 80% of how hard I can hit, right? There's, there's this false correlation between how much tension I'm going to put into my muscles and how much power I get to translate to somebody else. And some of it, I think, comes from linear, static, physical problems in which this is almost true. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're trying to pick something up, if I only put a little bit of power into my legs you know, I'm deadlifting or something like that, right? If I only put like 20% power into my legs and 10% into my back and I just try and kind of lift myself up in a relaxed way, probably I'm not going to lift up 300 pounds off the ground or something, right? So you have to be like, all right, I'm going to brace my core muscles and I'm going to brace my legs about 50%. You distribute some tension across your body and you're like, okay, that was good. And then if you try and lift the heaviest thing you can possibly lift, Sometimes you have to, you know, you're bracing almost 100% with your back so you can lift yourself up. So, the, so in that case, when you're moving things through a single plane for a single purpose, there can be this correlation between muscle tension equals extra power, and that's all it is, right? But when you're, when you're trying to transmit power, um, not to just a static object, Actually, even with static objects, right? If you're throwing a baseball, you don't tense your shoulder as hard as you can and, and tense your waist as hard as you can, whip it as hard as you can with all of your muscles. It's a chain of movements, right? At one point in it, your muscles are stretched out as you turn away from the ball and you do this funny thing where you lift your leg up. I'm speculating because I don't play baseball, but I've seen it <laughs> like this way. And, and then as you come back and you shift your weight to the other foot and the, that, that momentum starts to transfer, there's a, a burst of power in the pectoral muscle as you kind of sling your shoulder forwards. And then that kind of finds its way out like a chain through your elbow and transmits itself to the ball. And then by the time you let go of the ball, there's, you're almost limp, right? And the same thing with a golf swing or a tennis swing. You don't end a tennis swing like a samurai warrior kind of where you chop the ball like with all of your power and the racket, racket stops dead. It follows through and it goes through. And that whole idea of following through and translating um, momentum and translating weight it's, it's predicated on the idea that you have to let something go. So it can't be true that if you tense yourself up more as you punch somebody, they get more of your punch. Do you see what I mean? But it's such a hard thing to undo because we have so much of that in our minds, right? Tense something harder, pull harder, and you'll get a better effect. Tense something harder, push, and you'll get a better effect. It's, so there's two things that work against us. There's, there's the appearance of effort, and there's a sensation of effort on the inside. And these are two deep, deep habits that are very, very hard to break, I think, We're on, a, on a conceptual level for systemic students. Right, and wondering what the, what the reward is. Like, if mm. you're, you know, so if, if your habit is um, being fueled by the the outcome, by the yeah. rewards, mm. there probably is some sort of uh, psychological reward for punching someone and feeling like you hit them really hard. Yeah. Well, I, I think part of the problem is is that if you do the opposite and you don't have skill and alignment and you don't understand where relaxed power comes from it feels less effective than when you throw your hard strike, right? Uh, Vladimir's uh, Parameters of Power seminar um, last year, he had us 
um, standing with the fist on the chest of the person opposite. And then you just had to relax your body and you had to kind of just project forwards from the surface of your fist and push the guy backwards with a feeling of power, right? Um, and if you tried to brace up your shoulder or you braced up your body, he'd be like, no, that's not power. You're just using physics, which is his way, way of describing it. It's just like you're just physically putting your chemical energy into your muscles and pushing the guy. And he goes, it's okay, but you know, if he really doesn't want to move, then probably you'll just meet his physics, right? And then to reinforce this, he had us in groups of five and you had four people standing one behind the other, bracing each other's shoulders and like buttressing each other, like in a chain, like a caterpillar of people holding each other up, pushing the front, front guy forwards. And then you had to stand exactly the same way. You didn't get to lean into them or make a special shape for pushing four people. You just had to stand upright, place your fist on them, and then find a way of um, pushing through in a relaxed way. Now, when I tried to do that the first couple of times without a, a deep understanding, I still don't have a deep understanding, but without any understanding at all of how to go about that, how to feel that, that mass of people as a whole, how to kind of, transmit um, that power to the person who's like three people away or four people away, however it's going to be. The first time I tried to do it, it just felt like I was a toddler and I was attempting to push four people. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can't push a whole bunch of people with my fist. I need my shoulder. I need my butt. I need my legs, right? There's no way I'm going to get these people to move even an inch unless I bring it up. So I tried and I was kind of frustrated and I kind of pushed a little bit with my fist and other people in the room were doing similar things. They're like, this is, I don't get it, I don't get it, right? There was, a, there was some people were like, this is amazing. And some people were just really having trouble. And then after a few rounds of that, and we swapped around and different people did it, we did this drill in different contexts. And then eventually I kind of let go of this whole idea and I started just to feel and to find and have some success with this drill and actually push people at the back of the line and move them backwards and all that kind of stuff. Not phenomenally well, and it still felt like I was horribly underpowered. I felt like I was in like a, a massive, you know, Dodge Charger chassis of a car with a, a tiny little kind of Yugo engine in it or something like that. It was like, <laughs> it felt very, very weak. It felt like less than my full ability to push people. And so it was kind of, you have to really have a lot of humility about the way that you do it, right? It, rather than be like, the important thing here is that everybody can see that I'm strong and that I push people over. Instead of that, it's, you have to say to yourself, the important thing is that I realize I'm a toddler now but in doing this again and again and again, I'm going to reprogram my movement so that I become a titan, like Vlad, you know, and yeah. you can really, really find true power, not uh, kind of artificial uh, power. Does that so, kind of make sense? Yeah, so that um, yeah. reminds me, so I'm, I'm uh, you know, immersed in this book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Okay. And one of the things he says is that all of your outcomes are, are simply the result of your systems. Okay. That whatever, you know, that you're, whatever you're getting in life is... Uh, as a result of what you've been doing up to this point. And if you, sure. if you have a goal, he mm. says, don't, don't bother to chase, like, all right, you can set the goal because that'll set a direction for you, but then mm. focus on the systems. Okay. And so for you, the, the focusing on can I push four people mm. would be, is an outcome-driven, you know, it's, a, it's an outcome goal. Sure. Mm. As opposed to what you ended up doing, which was saying, okay, I'm going to focus on the system by mm. which... I have faith, or by which my teacher tells yeah. me that I'm going to achieve this goal. And the yeah. system is relax more, yeah. relax more, yeah. put your attention in the, the, the knuckles yeah. that, are, that are touching the chest of the person next to you. See how much you can feel. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah. so, so it, be, it becomes an exercise in working the system yeah. rather than chasing the goal. And so it, if the outcome is push four people, then I'll find any way of doing that. Right, even if it's find a friend and let's push them together, you know. So right. if the outcome is that, then I'll find ways of cheating that in order right. to get that outcome. Or if the, if the outcome is I'm going to get this guy on the ground for a takedown, then I'll do it with shrugging my shoulders or wobbling off balance or dragging him to the ground with me rather than trying to find the efficient way through his structure to bring him down, right? It becomes more important to me to put him down than it does to learn mm -hmm. how to put a guy down. Right, right. and it's more, mm -hmm. if, you, if your goal is to lose 30 pounds, mm -hmm. you'll do anything, you'll, you'll do crazy diets, you'll take fen-fen, mm -hmm. you know, you'll um, restrict yourself. You'll have a delicious break, shake for <laughs> breakfast, another for lunch, and another for, <laughs> <laughs> for months on end, and then you'll put it back on again immediately because it's all water, right? Yeah, as, yeah. A, as opposed to, okay, so, mm -hmm. I've made a connection, uh, a, a reasonable connection between here's the system, here's the lifestyle. Mm. You know, what do, what do people who are at their ideal weight do? Mm. You know, who, like, let's do that. Okay. And rather than focus on a, an outcome that I can then compromise the system to, to achieve so I don't really get what I want. Is there, an, is there a connection between that, you think, and this kind of a... This penchant for like optimized living and the kind of the, the whole Tim Ferriss approach where people have, instead of being like, I need to lose 50 pounds, 
they're like, who does Tim, Tim Ferriss interview? And like, what, what do experts in this field of weight loss do? What, what yeah. is it that they do that other people don't? And how many of those habits can I pick up and integrate yeah. to help me get there faster or something like that? Is, yeah. there, is that part of what's fueling this? Yeah, yesterday I interviewed a friend of mine who, uh, Andrew Taylor, who's in, in Australia, who um, has become very well known as Mr. Spudfit. And mm. he had a food addiction. He weighed over 300 pounds. Mm. And he decided that he, in order to break his food addiction, he had to change his psychology around food, mm. which was he had to stop using it for emotional support, comfort, and entertainment. Okay. And the way he decided to do that was like looking at Alcoholics Anonymous, that they would stop drinking. Mm. He says, well, how close can I get Mm. to not eating. Mm. He said, well, if I just have a mono food, one food, and he mm. researched, like, what's the perfect, what's the food that gives every, you know, it gives you all the nutrients you could possibly want. He found it was the potato. Really? More yeah. than, I always heard avocado was the one that contains more nutrients yeah. or something, but yeah, uh, that'd be tough, yeah. But it'd be hard yeah. to, you gain a lot of weight if you yeah. ate as much avocado, avocado as you want. Sure, yeah. So, you know, as he did the research, it's the potato. Mm. And, you know, he lost a bunch of weight and he mm. stabilized and he got off his, you know, anti-depression and anxiety meds and he's like, you know, mm. he's a very happy guy. Mm. And How long did he do this for? Alex? He did it for one year. One year, One nothing, year, but, nothing but potatoes. The Irish diet. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said, yeah, he said he researched. He said, yeah. you know, people all over the world live, live on basically potatoes. Yeah. And so but he, but he, what he said was like, after the first month, he had two terrible weeks, and then he had he had sort of a, a mental shift. Mm. Like he was you know, at week two, he started eating a potato, and his body was like nauseated. Mm. And he said, no, you know what? Every decision I've ever made about food in the past mm. has been wrong. Yeah. So mm. I'm not going to listen. I'm just going to do this thing. Mm. And after a month, he says, I could have stopped. Mm. The reason I kept on going was that I'd made this commitment mm. and I decided I was going to keep the commitment because that's the sort of person I am now. Okay. But he could have stopped after a month because he'd broken the, the way he had thought about food. So did he turn it, um, did he change his perception of food from something that gives him pleasure and recovery and all those kinds of things to just purely fuel at that it's, point? Yeah. It's, it, it just became like fuel. It's fuel. It's, yeah. not, it's not for emotional Okay. purposes whatsoever. He says, that was the main thing. Mm. However, everyone who's following the story and the media, and he started getting a lot of attention, and mm. people, were then, you know, people were then writing to him asking for his help because they mm. were desperate. Like, all they saw was, oh, you ate potatoes for a year, so I have to eat potatoes for a year. He's like, no, mm. no. Mm. <laughs> that wasn't the point. Mm. That was my approach to mm. solving the problem of my psychology. Okay, and you might not have that problem, or you might not. Or, or yeah, you yeah. you can do it any kind of way. You can yeah. decide. Yeah, what's you your know, potato? But yeah. Or you don't even have to do it that way. You can. Mm. All you have to do is decide that food is no longer entertainment. Okay. Or emotional support or comfort. Mm. And however you do that, mm. that's the goal. It's okay. not about. Okay, I'm gonna. It's, you know, it's like uh, like a story, like some, a religious story about someone like goes out in a purple canoe wearing a pink hat, hmm. eating a uh, a plum, and they suddenly become enlightened hmm. in that moment. So then everybody else goes out and hmm. buys a purple canoe and a pink hat, and, or, and or goes life, out. life of Brian when he loses a shoe, and everybody's like, "We must take off our left shoe," and somebody else <laughs> exactly. is like, "No, we must gather together shoes." <laughs> it's like they start copying the the thing. Like Precisely. A, yeah, Precisely. there's also a parody of it. Okay, so then. But then we don't just make a decision. I mean, if it were, if it were, were that simple of like, well, all I have to do is decide that food is not for pleasure or entertainment or for yeah. relief. If I just have to be in my mind, wake up tomorrow and be like, food is fuel and that's it, then, yeah. well, then we could all do it. So, so what, what we actually need to do is create a system then that reinforces that versus the opposite thing, right? Well, we have to fight. Okay. Mm. Right? Because that's, that's the point at which now we've attained some awareness and we have a new thing to do. Mm. So if you tell me, okay, when you're stuck in grappling, yeah. look for something else. Don't keep, as soon as you realize that you're wasting energy mm -hmm. fruitlessly, go, go do something else. Mm. Well, it's still going to take me weeks, mm. months, years mm. to overcome that impulse. Okay. So yeah. it's, we don't have to win all the time. Sure. Um, mm. Right, but when so when we're trying to change that that how, now we know what, you know it's 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 just like, um, you know now you've given me my marching orders, but I haven't marched anywhere yet. Right. So we we're not we're not at the destination. We just know hmm. where we're trying to get to in our okay. in, in our minds. Hmm. So at the point at which you know that's so if 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 sistema were as simple as okay relax, hmm. you know use differential tension. 
um, usually, you know, movement, posture, relaxation, and breathing. Okay, yeah. you know, you could give it to me in an index card. Sure. And, yeah. And then I'd have, you know, I wouldn't need my 500-hour certificate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You'd but, be like mastery. I did it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But then, you know, this goes back to our conversation on on mastery. Yeah. That this this stuff is not easy. Yeah. And we have to be willing to fight. Yeah. So, so one of the ways that Sistema does that, um, and people have different approaches, right, is, is literally putting you into a situation where you just have to solve that problem again and again and again for a long period of time, right? So it's, it's holding it, again, right up in your face in front of you. Like, well, I'm, I've told you that if you get stuck just fighting to maintain the stalemate or trying to push your way out of it, it's not going to work. You, you're going to have to try to feel what's going on in the situation and try and go with the guy's pressure or try and move obliquely to where he is or try and limit his movement in some way so that he he's forced to reposition himself. Um, I can tell you all of those things and it means nothing until you've tried, failed, tried, failed, tried, failed, tried, failed, and then once you tried to do it and it, and it seemed to work better than maintain the stalemate, right? So, uh, and I see a, a big way that um, Vladimir likes to do this at System HQ in Toronto is just literally to give you those drills and then leave you working on them for like half an hour. And so mm -hmm. maybe every 10 minutes you'll switch a partner, but you'll th half an hour you're doing the same drill, so you're getting the same thing. Like, for example, he'll have somebody be like, okay, guys, one guy has to kick with the foot. You just approach the guy and kick him. The other guy just has to move his feet um, and through foot footwork, avoid getting kicked, right? Um, and you're just chasing each other around with your feet for like half an hour, for a long time, yeah. right? Not let's do this 10 times and then switch 10 times and then switch. Okay, we're done. We get the idea. Use footwork to escape feet. It's, it's not the same thing because when you do it again and again and again, you realize that people read your footwork and motions. They anticipate where you're going to go and they twist in mid kick and still get you and things like that. And it's only by doing it so many times and failing in so many different contexts that the system actually convinces you that there's a better way of doing things, right? So that there's kind of the scripture is there, you know, the, the ideas and the principles are there and they're handed down by Vlad and we've got the, the guidelines, right? But we don't care about the guidelines on an internal level until we realize that they're deeply useful, they're more useful to us than what we were doing before, right? So, so Sistema sets you up in a sense with a system where you get tested all of the time. Um, now it doesn't necessarily do that and it's perfectly possible to teach Sistema like a lot of other martial arts are taught, which is when somebody's trying to kick you um, in this way, right? You should step to the left with your left foot and then pull the other foot behind you, thus creating a blading kind of shape in which the foot will kind of fall off of you. And then you enter like this and you grab them here and you put them down. Um, and you practice that technical shape again and again and again without ever really just being booted again and again by somebody else who's just really trying to get you, right? Kind of this way, right? And you can teach it that way, but I don't think it works very well if you treat it like a, a series of small movements that way. I think the power of Sistema is, lies within the fact that it's a bunch of principles that you get to test and figure out whether or not those principles work and why they work, right? So it's the proof is really in the pudding. Well, so, so Sistema creates that system on its own. How do you create that system on your own? What does um, James Clear have to say about good or bad ways to create systems that will show you that. Like, so the guy, Spudfit guy, created a system in which like, I'm going to eat potato, nothing but potatoes for a year so that I have to go through this and convince myself of what's going on. Um, other people might have looked at that and tried to do something similar, but got the wrong end of the stick. Like, are there kind of heuristics to how we create good and bad systems? Can we set ourselves up for failure when we try and create some sort of routine for nutrition or exercise? Oh, totally. Mm. And you know, the game is to to notice, just like you know, notice mm. that I'm stuck. Okay. So mm. you know, my my uh, my business partner Josh Lajani always says results dictate sufficiency. Hmm. Right, and he started out when he started out his weight loss journey. Hmm. He did um, paleo. He was doing weightlifting. He hmm. was doing a whole bunch of things that now he says like, I don't, I don't recommend them. Hmm. But you know, he got some results. He lost a hundred pounds hmm. just going to the gym. He lost a hundred pounds. Hmm. Um, not eating sugary foods. Yeah, just paleo. Yeah, right. Hmm. So you know, oh, I'm going to have the you know the skinless chicken breast or whatever, hmm. and you know, have a ton of those hmm. and. You know, at a certain point, you, you, know, you say, okay, here's, here are the goal that I know that I'm moving towards. At a certain point, if you stop moving towards that goal, hmm. you can become dogmatic about hmm. your, your methods, or you can say, well, let me try something else. So, so, so is, is a plateau the red flag then, that, you, that your system might not be too good if you're hitting a plateau? It can be. Sometimes hmm. a plateau is natural, and it's, okay. it's really hmm. useful. Hmm. Um, you know, so I can plateau in my training. Hmm. And I've, you know, there were times where I plateaued, and I just kept on pushing, and then I popped through it. Hmm. There were other times where I plateaued, and I started slipping backwards, and I was, well, I'm overtraining, because hmm. I've just started playing Ultimate Frisbee again, and I've added 
you know, two practices and a game mm. on mm. top of my running. Mm. Okay. Uh, so I don't think I don't think there is the foolproof system. Yeah. Um, I think there are, you know, just with Sistema, there are heuristics. And I think, you know, it's simply awareness of what you're doing and what you're getting. Okay. Yeah. And staying focused on that, 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 that what you're doing in the moment as opposed to just some distant goal that you're going to achieve somehow kind of thing. Yeah. That, mm. you know, I mean, you know, this podcast is Sistema for life. Mm. Like Sistema is not the martial art I would recommend for someone who wants to be able to defend themselves in a month. In a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, um, you know, Krav Maga would be mm-hmm. like, just in terms of like, you know, if someone's teaching you how to avoid getting kicked, mm-hmm. like the the step by step heuristic, right foot, left foot, mm-hmm. turn back, you know, is probably better odds mm-hmm. if you're going to get if you're going to be somewhere where you're going to try to kick you in a month. Mm. then yeah I don't know actually that's I, I know what you're saying I, there's some other things like uh, you know in Krav and some other styles they're like if somebody's attacking you they're coming at you make a framework with your arms to stop them from getting too close and mm. you know push them back or do something else and, and that can be a, like a good all-purpose um, kind of blunt instrument for avoiding most of an attack or like forestalling something if you don't have any other kinds of skills I think I think that can work really, really well but in that particular instance I think the idea that um, that if you sidestep to the left with your foot and then your other foot and that's going to work when someone tries to kick you it's actually uh, erroneous and it will so that, so that whole that whole idea that you have to step this way in order to avoid it um, a kick is a bad idea because the kicks are never quite the same. When somebody goes to kick you, it, it might be a, like a front kick, like a classical karate mayageddi where the, the foot just comes straight forwards and projects out from the thing. Or it might be like a tie kick that goes round into your leg. And if you're dodging what you think is a front kick going forwards by sidestepping to the left, you could go straight into a tie kick which smashes you in the thigh and, and leaves you like crippled yeah. and on the floor in a terrible way and Shoot. you've lost the fight already. Mm-hmm. So, so I think Sistema in some ways shows you those things right away and sort of says no you you can't get too specific too soon because you just need to consider consider the guy as a dangerous lump of stuff and avoid that stuff sure right? sure um, but, but there are some other instances where yeah something like a fast and fast and loose uh, principle might might help like right. get get two well, hands on the weapon if you're like <laughs> teaching basic weapon defense or something like that yeah, yeah. and yeah. the thing about that is that they're so simple mm. and they're so unnuanced yeah that you could you could actually learn to do them and and do them in a, in a moment of sure you know when i did krav maga mm. like you know you, you see the gun you scream gun and mm. you run you run you head towards it and try to kick mm. it out of their hand or whatever. Yeah, uh, I'm going to reserve judgment on that tactic as well. Well, whether, whether it would work or not in real life, <laughs> yeah. I learned it. Yeah, sure. Mm. As opposed to, like, it would take me, it took me a lot longer to learn mm. the more effective Sistema techniques. Okay, yeah. Um, so, the, you know, just like if you're trying to, you know, lose weight mm. and you're, like, the real goal is live a healthy, happy, meaningful life. Yeah. Right, that the weight loss then becomes a symptom mm. of, of, of this deeper person you're trying to become, mm. which I think to me is, is what like the, the hallmark of Sistema and of, you know, of deep martial arts mm. is it's about, you know, you're a craftsperson crafting yourself. Mm. And, and so whatever, whatever you achieve, whatever manifests mm. is a lagging indicator of the person you've become. Mm. Yeah. Th- there's definitely an aspect of, the motivation which comes into this again as well i think it's like well if you, if you say i'm going to lose 100 pounds right it's, it's it's like why why are you going to, why are you trying to lose 100 pounds because i think if you don't think carefully about why it is you want to do that um then that can dictate the system that you choose whether it's a good one or a bad does that kind of make sense like you might be more easily reeled in by like a, a get thin quick routine or or it's, it's say your, your goal is i want to become um, more financially independent. I want to live month to month on my cash or something like that. I'm terrible at saving money. I'm always kind of blowing stuff like that. And somebody comes to you with like, oh, this is a rich dad, poor dad course, which is going to make you rich. And it's all you have to do is stick to the system and go for it. And if you're, if you've, if deep down your motivation for doing that is I just feel inadequate and other people have more money than me, right? And what you really need to do is just get more money so you can make yourself feel better, then probably you'll be easily preyed upon by the shysters sure. that offer that stuff. And the same thing with weight loss. If you're like, I need to lose 100 pounds because I just feel terrible about myself, right? Kind of that way. Not for health. Not, it's just kind of, I don't like the way that I look and I hate it. And I'm not saying this is te- necessarily a bad motivation. I'm, I'm, if people feel bad about themselves or they're overweight and the motivation is I want to lose weight in order to feel better about, about myself, that's, that's fine. But if you have that motivation 
and you stay with that through a couple of different systems, it's easy for people to prey upon you because of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. That motivation. Whereas it's like I want to get healthy, um, and that's why I'm losing 100 pounds. Then maybe at some point you're like, it's not important. You realize you choose a system that allows you to lose that 100 pounds slowly and in a healthy way, as opposed to like crash dieting or something. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So if you're like, I need to lose well, hundred pounds and that's the goal, I can't feel good until I've lost it, then you might go insane with your diet in order to try and do that and then make yourself very, very unhealthy. Or you might stick to a, like a fad diet that isn't actually doing you any good in terms of blood chemistry, but might help you lose hundred pounds, right? You might get there, but then your blood chemistry is all buggered up. But because of your motivation was slightly askew, you're more easily led astray by those kinds of right. things. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. yeah. Well, the, Build new bad habits to replace old ones. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so the idea of um, noticing where, you, you know, noticing are you feeling better or worse? Like you yeah. can be losing weight and feeling worse. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's your, that's your, um, your breaker. Hmm. Uh, but I think, you know, for me, I wanted to get healthy because I didn't like the way I looked in front of a mirror. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't think there's any there's anything problematic with having mm-hmm. a shallow motivation. Okay. Or, because mm-hmm. once you know, you can't see the the mountain mm-hmm. from the valley. You know, you have to climb a little mountain in order to see the the higher mountain. Mm-hmm. So like after you've lost twenty pounds doing something stupid mm-hmm. because of a very shallow vain motivation, mm-hmm. you become you can become a different person. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I know a lot of people whose motivations have changed and deepened sure. as as they. As they grew, I'm sure there's a lot of people who go into Sistema for the badass stuff because yeah. it's like the most militaristic. Yeah. Um, you know, you play with guns and knives, and yeah. like, this is real. Like we don't wear padding. Yeah. Like you know, I'm you know I'm going to go in here because I'm an alpha male, and this sure. is this is the most exciting thing. Hmm. And if you choose a good system, hmm. even for the wrong reasons, yeah, you'll start to sensitize to to better ones. Okay, great. So. Um, so that's interesting. So yeah, that whole, if you choose a good system, right? So that, that's, that still to me kind of gets back to the circular thing, like how do you know the difference yeah. between a good system and a bad system? Like, or what are they? And like I said, maybe there aren't, there's no perfect system. That's not what I'm saying. Um, are, there, are there ways to tell when you're being conned? Are there ways to tell when you're well, being so- <laughs> sold snake oil, basically? Whether it's like nutrition or whether it's martial arts or wherever it is. What, what are the red flags for you when you see something pro- crop up? Yeah, well, the first thing is pretty much anything you can start for free or cheap. Okay. Like if someone says that what you need to do is go to a $5,000, you know, hmm. uh, you know, rich dad, poor dad seminar. Like hmm. that's the first thing you need. Hmm. Or, you know, you need a degree from Trump university or, hmm. or what, whatever hmm. it is. Hmm. Um, like that should be a red flag because hmm. the thing, the thing that you're missing hmm. is very simple. It's basic, it's free hmm. and it's available for everyone. Okay. Right. So if you can't, you know, you don't, we don't need to do a blood analysis and a DNA test on you hmm. to help you figure out you should stop eating the fucking Krispy Kremes. <laughs> right? right? But it's much more sexy to say, well, we're going to do this, uh, yeah, this you know, is, state-of-the-art uh, photo. Ind- individualized nutrition. It's like, yeah, like we figured out that you can't eat Krispy Kremes. So that's $5,000. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so, so understand that the, the basics are, are not secrets hmm. in anything. Hmm. Okay. And the basics will take you most of the way. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you're, you know, I'm not saying that it, everything needs to be free. I'm not saying that go find a teacher who won't charge you money. Right. Yeah. Please don't uh, say that. I'm out of business. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. But there's, there's a difference between someone making a living and yeah. a, a, a business that is making, you know, huge profits mm. off of people's desperation. Yeah. Uh, second thing I would say is, is like, do research. Like, mm. We live in the internet age. You can go and find out whether things are true or not. Mm. You know, you can. Uh, we, you know, you don't have to rely on clickbait. Mm. Um, also, you know, look look for look for things that look like hype. Okay. Right, and hype is just sort of you know claims unsubstantiated by reality. Okay. So if somebody's like, we can teach you in two weeks how to master the pressure points all over the body and disable yeah. any attacker in any situation, then you're like, yeah, it sounds like a, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it might raise some flags on that one. Or we can, you know, lose 50 pounds in two weeks with the soup diet. Then you'll probably be like, that's got to be a hell of a soup. Probably not. Right that way. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and notice whether whether they're appealing to. We all we all want a shortcut. Yeah. Right. So notice whether someone's appealing to that part of you. Mm. Like we all. No, nobody's. You know, purely a hundred percent, you know, rational or mature. Sure. So we all have these parts of us that want, 
you know, like I was listening to a, a clip from Vladimir talking about criminals. Hmm. Like his definition of criminals was someone who wants without working. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> that's beautiful because yeah. there's a huge part of me that wants without working. True. Yeah. yeah. So I, so you know, having some awareness of that, yeah, I can sort of tell when that part is like gets excited. Like, oh, that would, you know, I would love to do that. Yeah. That would be really, that would be really fun. I'll just pay a little bit of money and I can learn how to do that. And then everything, then it's easy street. Okay. And I don't, I don't have to earn it. So I can, so I can, I've gotten to know myself enough to know yeah. when it's going after my, uh, my lower inclinations. Yeah. The ones that aren't, that ultimately don't make me happy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So understanding that the hard work itself can, can is probably necessary and kind of is a virtue and probably can't be skipped or avoided. And if something is offering to do that, is to give you like the easy street towards it, then it's probably not doing what it says it's going to do. It's right. probably going to give you something else. That's your hot dog. Okay. Right? Yeah. It's the yeah. Easy, easy way to make yourself feel better. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Cool. Cool, man. Well, that's, that's an interesting little roundup. And um, if, we, if we have any other thoughts, we can maybe stick them in the show notes as we come off. But uh, I'll think hard about my propensity for hot dogs moving forwards and see what we can do to not crash any more cars. Thanks so much. All right. Very cool. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Sistema, please visit us online at www.ncsistema.com.